Lynn Whitbeck is my guest today, and she is the founder and CEO of Petite to Queen and Future Forward Sales. She helps the world by providing sales and leadership training programs to achieve more faster. Lynn is the catalyst for businesses to turn their sales teams into revenue generating champions. Lynn is the co-author of a highly regarded book called Practical Wisdoms at Work. And this quick read provides insights to navigate situations, challenges, and opportunities that arise every day in business, teaching you how to broaden your career with skills that will set you apart. Now, you may have seen Lynn and USA Today, the Huffington Post, the Chicago Tribune, and many, many more. And me and Lynn, we had so much fun in these first 60 minutes that we actually had to do it again. And so stay tuned next week for part two. But without further ado, let's jump into part one. So let's get started. Hi, my name is Kirby Ingalls, and you're listening to the True Success Podcast. My goal is to help you find true success by helping you live a rich and satisfying life, a life of happiness and meaning, and becoming a pillar of your community. This podcast is designed to inspire you to write a new narrative, revolutionize the way we live, and create a ripple effect that resonates with future generations. All right, welcome back to the show, everybody. I'm here with Lynn Wetbeck, and she is on her way to building success and experiences in these executive leadership roles. Lynn is going to share with us lessons that she's learned along the way uh, to supercharge your career in this episode. Lynn, please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, Kirby, thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, you know, I am a, uh, I would call myself a serial entrepreneur because I've been in sales my career. And sales taught me everything I needed to know about leadership. Mm -hmm. I really recommend everyone have sales training because sales is leadership. And as I climbed that corporate ladder and learning all these things, I moved into executive roles um, later on becoming a COO at two different um, startups. And so, and eventually starting my own business. And once again, it's about sales because I think for me, it's sort of my core value. I love helping others. I like to be of service. And that is what gets me up in the morning and so excited. And to be honest, you know, when you sell a product or service that really makes a difference, I mean, that helps people, you know, you're making their life better. And so to me, that's what it's all about. And it's whether you're doing coaching, if you're selling, you know, a widget or a part, whatever it is, you can really make the person that you're working with, the company that you're working with, you can take something off their plate. So that's what drives me. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that because, you know, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's my belief that all leaders, you know, are servant, you know, oriented. Uh, I won't say servant leader. I don't want to say that because it's kind of cliche, but they're servant service oriented and heart centered. And it sounds like it's exactly what you described. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, it's about worthy intent, you know, and that worthy intent is where you want the best for other people. And I think that when we look at it as a bigger picture in some of your shows that you've done, um, when we all lean into that, uh, what a better world we could be living in. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, and this is a great place to kind of dive into maybe what you think that or, or how you define leadership and, and what that might look like. Yeah, so leadership is really about creating an environment and a culture where your team members can thrive. So, you know, it really comes from a position of uh, recognizing everyone's dignity and giving them that respect because everyone plays a part in the bigger picture from the janitor who's uh, taking care of the custodian, who's taking care of keeping everything clean so that the other team members have a really pleasant experience when they go to the restroom or your customers who are coming in uh, have that experience uh, to the CEO, CFO who's managing um, you know, the money and making sure payrolls met and budgeting, et cetera, et cetera. So everyone plays a part in that bigger picture and that culture and that environment where people um, demonstrate that respect to one another every day is the type of culture that I believe good leaders foster. And, you know, you do that in a number of different ways because a good leader really sees things on a number of different levels. So if you think of about a forest, you know, they're often up in the sky looking down on the trees, but they're also in the chopper that, that they're skimming the treetops, but they also need to get boots on the ground and walk the floor. Now that doesn't mean that they know everything about all those trees in the forest because they've got experts who know all those things, but they need to have that experience and that knowledge, some working knowledge of what goes on in the day to day to have the work go through the operation. So those are two really big pieces that I think leaders bring. Um, and finally, the third one is really being that, that point where you reject complacency, that you embrace and encourage new ideas mm -hmm. and alternate angles and views uh, so that you can look at something from a different angle. As I already said, I sort of like shaking up your paradigm because everything you don't have lives in that world. And you need to be able to see around the other side of that prism and really understand uh, like maybe a problem that's going on or a customer um, you know, uh, opportunity. All of those things come from looking at it from a number of different angles and being open to that kind of input and having the courage to make a new choice, to make a new decision and potentially change direction. No, I love it. I mean, I, I think you're, you, you kind of really just set the tone for really a great <laughs> conversation that we're about to have, because I love this conversation about leadership. Um, and I know you didn't get here overnight, right? I mean, this, you just didn't, this isn't all just a, a poof and this happened. So you, yeah, you must've twitched her nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, so you must've started somewhere. And so where, where was that somewhere? I mean, and how, how, how did all this come about? Well, you know, honestly, it started because I got my first sales job um, and not intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, um, I got the sales job because I had finished graduate school. Um, I'd gone to work for a company just to literally let my mind rest for a few months. And after three months, I was 
bored silly. Mm -hmm. And so I asked to go into outside sales. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to go into outside sales, I was actually the first salesperson for that company other than the owners. And I had to talk them into it, but otherwise I was going to quit because, you know, I just wanted to have, um, the ability to, to grow in my career. And I honestly, I thought, oh, if I do this um, and I can make enough of uh, an earning, I could probably go back to college and get yet another degree. <laughs> so, but after three months, I mean, I just took to it. Um, and in that first year I was in sales for nine months, I outsold one of the business partners. And mm -hmm. my second year in sales, I outsold the other business partner. And I pretty much never looked back. And it was because I came at it with this burning desire to help others and to be straight with them, you know, to have that worthy intent, to be curious, uh, to think about what kind of risk that might be, you know, like, well, if you're going to do this, have you thought about this, mm -hmm. you know, um, and to always do that heavy lifting also so that when right. I came to them, if there had been a challenge, I already had a solution in place or had options for them mm -hmm. and an opinion. This is, the what I would choose, but it's your decision. And here are options A, B, and C. You know, sort of like, let's make a deal. Here are the doors. <laughs> but by doing that, you know, the customer made it really easy. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I want you to do. And then uh same thing. If uh I wasn't sure like which address to ship something to, I did the heavy lifting and figured it out. And then I sent the email or, you know, I called them on the phone. <laughs> Early on it was calling them on the phone. Okay. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm like the dino roaming the earth, right? <laughs> so when I was doing that, I would say, I'm assuming that we're going to ship it to the warehouse at this location. They go, yep, yep, that's it. You know, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, I would always, but I just want to make sure that we get it to the right place, you mm -hmm. know? And so that was, once again, I wasn't asking them to give me the information. I would come at them. And of course, mm -hmm. as time has changed, there's so much of that heavy lifting that you can take on. And this isn't just in sales. I want you to know sales is leadership. So right. for those of you who are in your positions and you want to climb to that next tier in your career, you better start by managing up. And when you manage up, that means that you're doing that heavy lifting. You're anticipating things that your boss or his, the boss's boss or your peers are going to need. Mm. And you're ready to provide that. Um, so I survived a bunch of different layoffs in corporate America, you know, at those high levels, because I did the heavy lifting and my bosses, the presidents of the company, et cetera, they always knew that if they needed something, they contacted me, I would get it to them, you know? And it was that like, I did what I not only went, you just go that extra mile above and beyond. And part of that's just organizing what you do, you know, putting it in a logical order, you know, how you file your items on your desktop. Mm -hmm. Anyway, but all of those things go into not only being a sales champion, um, but a leader of true leader. And that's going to help you as you climb those tiers. No, I appreciate that because I see a lot more uh, things out there now about sales and leadership more than I had previously before. It was almost like in the past, it was there were sales and then there was management. And then the sales was like this department that was cut off and everybody was in, you know, this, this section of the building and, you know, and there wasn't a whole lot, but, you know, just 
robocalls, you know, and just a lot of stuff like that going on. And we talk about the Rolodex, right? You know, because you were talking about the time that, you know, you you actually had to make phone calls. It wasn't like shooting an email or text message or instant messenger. You actually had to pick up the phone and <laughs> dial. Um, and so, you know, it, you know, when, when it came to sales, you know, you always had that picture of the, this, this huge department, right? And, and to just have this technical skill, people that are real savvy, you know, and convincing folks, but that's not really what it's about. Sales yeah. does have a, a lot, a lot of leadership. And I, I, you know, when I personally took some sales training, uh, I didn't realize how much leadership skills there was inside of sales until I actually went through it myself. It just wasn't, you know, a bunch of scripts. There was actually more about understanding people, you know, helping people, you know, explore the gaps. And and a lot of that sounds like coaching as well, which there's some of that because leadership is coaching as well. And so I, I actually learned quite a bit. So I really do appreciate that perspective and that experience that you, you know, that you've provided us. Um, you know, the question is, is uh, for me, um, I'm kind of wondering if there was any major influences, you know, that have kind of helped you or maybe propelled you, you know, to where you're at today that, you know, that you would like to mention or maybe share a story or two about. Yeah, well, you know, I was really fortunate that I had some terrific mentors mm-hmm. and they were men who had daughters and they yeah. wanted to see their daughters succeed because I I worked in male dominated industries. I sold to men. I worked with men. I was often the only woman in the room. (laughs) And, (laughs) um, and the women that if there was another woman in the room, they often had a dagger between the teeth because they were protecting their turf. Thank goodness we've moved beyond that. Um, So I think that all along the way, there's also events that occur that we all sort of take that step back and we think, hmm, how could I have done that better? what could have come out of this and um some of those things that occurred i think one of the biggest thing was really learning how to be flexible with my style and this was as i had moved up into a corporate uh vice president position and uh i was used to sort of running my own little show but i was working with peers and i was working with one in particular that had a very different style and how she approached things how she did things and um, I was struggling with that. And I was like, okay, cause you know, you need to flex a little bit. And I was used to flexing with my customers, um, but this was different cause it was a peer. And so we're on the equal footing. So I at, called a meeting and I, and I just brought it right out in the open. I said, you know, I feel that we're, we have some conflict that we're not gelling and working well together. And I know that I have a particular style that can be abrasive or, um, you know, maybe isn't the best fit for you. What can I do that could make it better? What, what, what's the first thing that I could do that would help you? And so bringing that out in the open, then she was able to volunteer. We started having this conversation and then it comes back around to where she then invites me. What can I do to make things better for you? And so by doing that, when you start that conversation and you sort of take it on yourself, it's not about them. It's not about who they are as a person. It's about, you know, the style that you're not communicating effectively. And then how can I help you? You know, what can I adjust? 
that opens up a really big window for them to then, you know, start that conversation. Their defenses drop down. They're not, they don't get it defensive or wanting to attack. And instead, then they can reach that point where then they feel comfortable to say, well, how that tone and that language that you're them, it's about a specific thing. You know, like what would really help me as if I was able to hear back within um, two hours for just normal conversation um, that, uh, you know, or the next business day, um, because that was one of the things I would never hear back. And I didn't know if she had even received, I said, I just need to know an, an acknowledgement that you, that you're, that you've received the communication of what the client needs and you'll get back to me with information when you have it and you expect it to be ready by X, Y, Z. Right. Um, yeah. so it was just, those are the types of things that, um, that was a real, honestly, that was sort of a learning curve. Uh, so that I um, could think about, and then my boss helped me with that. It was like, you know, um, it's like, why do you need this? Mm -hmm. You know, explaining a little bit about why and what's happening with them. How can you help them? You know, and starting there first. Uh, that was really revolutionary for me. And it, it just helped me move even faster after really acquiring that skill. Thanks for listening to the True Success Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on Overcast. No, I really appreciate you sharing that moment with us and, you know, your experience there. I, I think that's really important for, for a lot of people to, to hear that example. Um, you know, I noticed behind you, um, you have a couple of signs and, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I kind of want to know a little bit about that. You know, I mean, you know, uh, can you kind of explain what, uh, petite queen is and then, um, it's, it, uh, the video yeah, future forward sales. Yeah. Future yeah. Sales. So yeah. Future forward sales. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It yeah. shows up now. So, but, uh, I couldn't see it for a second, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> can you kind of explain, you know, maybe what the, what those mean? Yeah. So, you know, at that point when I had been COO of a startup the second time, uh, I could tell sort of the writing was on the wall that the startup was going to fail. And at the same time, my husband was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And so I sort of really took that moment to say, mm -hmm. okay, what's next for me? Um, you know, and the first most important thing was that I needed to see my husband along this journey. You know, sometimes those journeys are dark, but they can still be um, filled with precious memories. Mm -hmm. So I, um, you know, looked at that and then I looked at, you know, when I'm a COO of these startups, the two that I worked at, it was just, just mind numbing amounts of hours of work, you know, mm -hmm. to get them off the ground, get them going. And I went, I can't do that. If I'm, you know, my number one job now is this journey. So I went into sales consulting and of course I've been in sales. I, you know, immediately had people. <laughs> I just had to make a couple phone calls. I had clients who wanted me to help them with very specific projects and programs. Mm -hmm. And so I was doing that. And from that, as I was doing all of that and going on this journey, I sort of went, okay, well, what's after this? You know, 
Um, I don't want to sound heartless, but I had a life before my husband. I was going to have a life after he mm. passed. Yeah. And so it was like, what's going to be next? And that's when I decided to form Petite to Queen because my goal was really to help women um, learn how to climb that corporate ladder. There's so many skills there. I call them power skills. They're not soft skills or power <laughs> skills that we don't know. Yeah. Men and women, when we get out of college, they don't teach you. Yeah. Uh, there's It's literally on the job training um, where you make, you know, just cringe worthy mistakes. I mean, I can think of several of my own and like, why, you know, why can't we help them along the way to, to not do that? And how can we also really convey how important sales training is, whether you ever work a day in sales in your life, because you learn everything you need to know how to work with different types of people, you know, how to understand that a difference of opinion does not mean that the other person is wrong. You know, they're looking at it from a different viewpoint, from a different angle, that they have different needs, you know, like a CFO is going to look at something differently than HR, right? Um, so, you know, how to negotiate yeah. um, for everything. So all of that came together and I started that business. So I'm going to take a glass of water here. No, go ahead. I just get so excited. <laughs> so, so then um, from that, you know, I was doing, I continued to do the sales consulting and that's what we were doing with Petite Queen. And I had a client point out to me that, you know, because once again, I tend to be, work, I worked with a lot of men. And uh, so they just, it was like, well, Petite Queen is really branded towards women. And when, if I'm going to recommend you to someone, I just, they're going to go and look at your website. <laughs> So that was a major pivot I made this last year is that we started the second site called Future Forward Sales, empowered by Petite to Queen. And it is just all about sales. It's really into our yeah. sales program. Um, I've got a four-part masterclass that's um, going to be live in a few weeks, <laughs> probably about awesome. the time this is published. So Yeah, that's awesome. And um, so that that's just sort of a different place so um, where people find us, they can yeah. you know see that sales and it's just gender neutral. No, I appreciate that. You know, that's awesome. Uh, thanks for explaining that. I mean, you know, I think that's really important, you know, for a lot of folks to understand. And I mean, you, you've already said several things that I can think of and just previous conversations that I've had over in the last week with folks that I've worked with, you know, that they've just had questions. And I think you've probably added a lot of value to them. And, you know, one of them was your earlier conversation where you talked about like, you were the only woman in a male dominated industry. And I'm actually working with a member now and, and she's the same way. She's the only woman in a male dominated industry, or at least, you know, in her surroundings, you know, and, you know, trying to strive through those challenges. And then the other one was, is uh, you mentioned that there's a lot of things that you learn um, that college doesn't teach you. And uh, the question, I have a gentleman who's uh, getting ready, you know, he's actually in, um, in his upper management level right now as a, as a director. And he's looking at uh, potentially going and doing an MBA. And he's like, it just keeps haunting me. It's like in the back of my head, like, this is something I need to do. And I'm like, well, why do you need to do that? I mean, it's just, is, is it, is it going to teach you anything that you don't already know or is it just a certificate like there's probably other ways that you could gain some of the gaps that you feel like you have it's just we have to figure out what those gaps are <laughs> and you know and explore those and, and figure out ways to you know acquire that knowledge and those experiences um and so i'm like just 
you know, it's it just, I was like, MBAs were created in the eighties for us to kind of have something that certified middle management, right. To be able to kind of move through the structure. Um, and then it just became, everybody had to have an MBA and now, you know, everybody has one. <laughs> and so yeah, I was like, it's it, not it, necessary. <laughs> yeah. It, it's once again, it's sometimes people do get hung up on those labels Yeah, and, um, but also companies can get hung up on those labels as well. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you're looking to, to move around, um, you know, that can be, it, it, which is, you know, at the end of the day, it's really about whether or not you're a good culture fit within the organization, mm -hmm. because everything, all those skills can be taught um, like whatever, you know, I don't remember when I was getting my MBA and I had you know, business math, whatever. I just, I just don't remember. <laughs> this is a long time ago. Um, but uh, what I actually have always practically, practically used is all my on the job experience yeah. and just all these little nuances of recognizing uh, different things. Uh, you know, it's just like, you know, mm -hmm. that we have the power to choose. We have the power to choose and make a new decision. Um, like in business. I mean, that was like hammered home. I would see corporations that had made a decision and they just wouldn't budge from it. And it's like, mm -hmm. this doesn't work. You're just mm -hmm. spending gobs of money trying to make this work. You know, it will never work. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't care how much money you spent on it. It's gone. Let it go, you know, and and have the courage to, to own it and, and, mm -hmm. and say, you know, because there are things that we learned. Now we learned what not to do. Now we learned what we really need. Yeah. Now we've learned how we're going to be able to implement this and choose a new path and invest your money the right way. Right. Yeah. So anyway, but all of those things, I've probably digressed here, but, you know, people do get caught up in those types of labels. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess that was something that, um, you know, once again, like when I was in high school and college, um, I could shop at Nordstrom and get like two things, or I could shop at Jacques Penet and Shea Sears and I have a whole wardrobe. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that from an early age, cause my mom gave me the choice. I had the power to choose. This is how much money I had in my clothing budget. And it was like, wow, I can buy a whole wardrobe here. I don't need Calvin Klein stuck to my butt, excuse me, but I just, <laughs> I can get by with, you know, Levi's or something else yeah. because I, and I get to buy three pair, not one. Right. I mean, it was just the whole thing. And I still remember being at, um, uh, you know, at a conference in Japan and I was speaking with the group and afterwards I had a couple of people came up and they were looking at my gold necklace. And the gentleman's, uh, one of the gentlemen said, oh my gosh, I just love that. When you got that at Cartier, when did you get it? And I was like going, what the? And I'm going <laughs> like, and I, my actual response was, I would never pay that kind of money to buy something like this at Cartier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, I think I got this at North, at that time it was at Norton, but it was costume jewelry, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was just like, N are you kidding me? I mean, yeah, give them my arm. I, that's a down payment on a house. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we do get caught yeah. up in those labels. Yeah, and sure. I think that for some people, um, they it's, you know, it's part of it's a mindset. Mm -hmm. um, and, they, you know, I think they have to work that through and that confidence mm -hmm. to go after things without that label. But sometimes it can be a real block because the people that you're going to be applying to or who are going to be reviewing you, they're mm -hmm. going to look for that label. And they can't see beyond that. Um, so, 
And I, that's why I told him it's, it's a double edged sword. Yeah, that's why I told him sometimes those things are cultural, you know, yeah. and it's it's an organizational cultural thing, and it's just something that you have to do, and maybe you have to power through. That's why I really love the fact that you talked about the power skills, you know, that you learn outside of all those programs that those programs the academics really doesn't teach you only getting in there doing the heavy lifting and you know and get rolling up your sleeves and just getting dirty you know and, and, and you learn from those and you know obviously you know you earlier talked about you know good mentors and you know folks that have helped you along the way you know and asking you know i think it's really important if i could advocate for anything is advocate for a mentor I mean, yeah. or a coach, right? <laughs> yeah, so. absolutely. If you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah. You know, earlier you mentioned, you know, managing up, you know, and I know this comes up in a lot of conversations that I have with folks a lot too, is, is how do you manage up? And you, you mentioned, you know, do a lot of the heavy lifting. Um, well, what do you, what do you think about the idea? Um, and, and I always call it a little bit differently. Some may say may, maybe managing up or leading up is another term folks use, but I always say I advocate. You know, what's the best way that you can advocate for your team in order for them to get the resources, the skills, you know, and to be able to, you know, it's that upward communication, which sometimes doesn't seem to happen. It's always seems to be coming down the funnel instead of, you know, that flow going back up and down, um, you know, and getting the resources, they can be the most successful. So you can be potentially the best manager that you can be. Yeah. Well, you have to answer their why. You know, so this is really sales 101. Yeah. All right. So what you're doing is you're looking at whoever you have to ask for that money. So you maybe you have to go through a couple tiers to get that approved. All right. But for your your first direct boss is the gatekeeper. Mm -hmm. um, and you're you have to think in terms of his or her why. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what do they want, need, or lack? And how is this going to benefit them so they can? So they can what? because that's what you're selling so they can. Mm -hmm. So if you need to have a new tool in place, you wanna to get to that so they can. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I'm gonna use an example because I happen to be on it this afternoon, Canva. We wanna invest in Canva for our entire sales team. Mm -hmm. And this is why. Um, so you really wanna to get to the so, the, so we can, uh, mm -hmm. because then we can create custom, uh, customized graphics for our um, clients in two minutes and send something that's going to have real resonance that they're going to click back to so that we can um, grow our sales and we can close more sales faster. All right. Your boss is going to go, wow. Okay. I, I want to close more sales. I want to close them faster and I want to make things more efficient. You just answered all these. So they can. So their department's going to be more profitable, right? Their numbers are going to look good. You know, they're going to look good to their boss. So whenever you're doing those things, and then for each group, like when you are doing a presentation, so you're presenting, you know, a new, um, uh, you know, implementation plan, how you're going to do something, you're going to have different stakeholders in the room. They all have different whys. And one of the things you need to do in that presentation is you need to answer those, right? You need to anticipate objections and bring and actually go about a way to answer them up front. 
you know, anticipate their questions so that you can answer them. You need to make sure that they can lean in and you get them engaged in the conversation. How would this help your, your team execute on XYZ? So if you know that this is going to make a difference and make them more effective and efficient, by introducing that, then they can get excited about it and say, well, yeah, this would help us do blah, blah, especially if they understand the concept, right? And then they're sharing that to the rest of the group. And you want everyone leaning in and actively participating in the conversation. It's not about you. It's not about this great idea that you had. It's about how this is going to help the organization and move everyone forward. Because ultimately, the decision maker is going to see all this and they're going to go, I'm sold. I don't need to know anymore because they don't need to know what goes on the boots on the ground. But they do walk the floor and they need to know everybody's going to be doing their job effectively, right? So that is uh, my advice on yeah. those types of situations. No, that's awesome. I like that. I mean, I like that phrase, so I can. It also brings up a memory of mine when I was, uh, I would go to these uh, what, meetings every every couple of weeks and we would show these presentations, you know, and, and we always say it was death by PowerPoint, but PowerPoint never killed anybody. It was the presenters, right? <laughs> Bad presenters, you know, it's not PowerPoint's fault. It was a tool that we could use and we just misused it. Um, and we would look at these slides and he would always say, what's the big so what? You know, and, and so I can, right? That's kind of what he was really looking for. It's like, so I can do this or so we can do that or so we can help the organization do this. And it was always that, and, and it, I was just got me, he's like, what's the big so what? And, I, I, and initially I was like, how rude, you know? Like, what's the big so what? I put all this time and work into this slide to make it look pretty. And I created, you know, 50 of them. And he's just like, okay, well, what's this supposed to mean to me? And so it was really about tailoring things down, getting to the point, you know, um, which I kind of think leads into our, a little bit into the next conversation, which I, you may have, if I'm not wrong, you may have already kind of answered the mail on a little <laughs> bit, because I think you kind of led into it. But, you know, how do you prepare, lead, and, and really just communicate your points in, in these meetings that we seem to always be in? And I, and I come from, you know, an understanding, I, I mean, obviously, most folks know that I've been a big proponent of Toastmasters International, which teaches you about communication, leadership. And one of the underlying things that most people don't talk about is how to be effective and efficient at meetings, right? Yeah. And so clear, concise, to the point, and organized is like a huge key to that. Yeah. So. Well, A, you start with an agenda, mm -hmm. Yeah. right? Yeah. And the agenda is really clear. Um, you get give people that ahead of time. Um, and then you get, do, you do, you get right to the point, you know, uh, what's the crux of this? What do we need to do? Um, and then get, gather input. And if you start to get off in the weeds or it's going to, yeah, okay, we're going to table that. We're just going to um, move on to the next item. We'll revisit this offline. You know, if you're on a virtual Zoom call. <laughs> uh, you also want to make sure everyone in the room is collaborating excuse me, one, then that's a culture thing too. So one of the things that I'll do is if I have a team member who I have a couple of them that will really be quiet. So I'll ask them specifically, well, what are your, what are your thoughts on this? How would this impact the work that you're doing? And then draw them out. So tell me more. I'm curious about this. Mm -hmm. So you're asking them things that they don't feel that they're being put on the spot or they're be, uh, defensive. And instead them out 
And the other thing is that um, I'm going to, this is advice for women. So if you're in that room and you have a great idea, you voice it, nobody seems to hear you. And then Bob next to you says, oh, we should do this. And he repeats basically. And then everybody's like listening. So here's the thing you go, oh, Bob, I'm so glad you like that idea. This is where I thought we'd take it to the next, you, you like my idea. This is where we can, how we can take it to that next level. And so you bring back the ownership, uh, ladies, <laughs> but you do it with yeah. grace and kindness. Okay. Um, you don't need a dagger between your teeth, uh, but you need to stand your ground. No, I, that's, that's perfect. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think that that's, that's awesome. I, I like the, the craftsmanship in there and, you know, the, and it sounds like there's a little bit of salesmanship in there as well. Um, and so that, that's awesome. You know, March was, you know, Women's International, you know, History Month. Um, and, you know, we kind of left that, but today is obviously April 1st, you know, so it's April, <laughs> April Fool's Day. <laughs> <laughs> and this month is representative of a lot of things, but, you know, it, it's really still on my mind. Um, and, and being that, you know, honestly, you know, I, I work with a lot of women and a lot of, a lot of great women um, that have just really done well and you know, I see a lot of confidence issues, right? Um, and this is something that I've helped them along the way as, as, as a, sometimes, you know, as, as a mentor and a coach as well, um, you know, how to build more confidence, self-esteem, you know, be, you know, be courageous with your ideas. Um, you know, how, how do you, how do you mentor women to develop more confidence from your perspective? You know, uh, you know, it's one thing coming from me, but it's probably a completely different thing coming from you. And so how can, you know, maybe we help them or what? Yeah. Give well, us the lens through your eyes. <laughs> yeah. Well, we learn by doing A, okay? Mm -hmm. So, and we also learn in incremental steps. So as an analogy, um, you know, I used to water ski, right? Mm -hmm. I learned how to water ski by being pulled out you know, from the shallows with both my skis on, you know, that slow plow. Uh, eventually, you know, you started where you could, you know, you could, they could go really fast and you get pulled out. And then, you know, you're dropping your ski and you're putting your foot behind. Pretty soon you're being pulled out on a single ski. And then eventually, you know, you're on a dock with a single ski with one foot on the dock and you yell, hit it. And you <laughs> jump right in the water and you're on that ski and you're blazing, baby. And you're jumping the wakes. But I didn't get there overnight. It took years actually. <laughs> but the point is, is that we learn in incremental steps and the best way to build that confidence up is to go about finding a way to build that confidence. Toastmasters is a great example. Uh, taking on a leadership role in a community event um, so that you're organizing it. Uh, I did something like that early on where I was uh, steer, uh, you know, the ch committee chair to getting a new park put in. Mm. And, you know, so I had to make presentations to city hall. Well, that wasn't work, right? It wasn't my workplace, but I got to make those presentations. And yes, I was nervous, but it wasn't as threatening, but I learned by doing, and I got more confident. And then I could go and do it inside of a meeting, right? And so, and get bigger and bigger until I'm making presentations that huge conferences and events. Mm. So, you know, you don't do that overnight. And the other thing is sometimes you show a little humility. Um, I was at a conference once and they had a gap. They had somebody had finished early and 
they they came up and said lynn can you get on the stage for 15 minutes and i went what you know <laughs> so i had that two minutes of deer in the headlights holy crap and then i was like okay deep breath deep breath deep breath i can do this i've done this before what am i going to talk about and it was that near the tail end of the conference and said well what did we learn what have we sort of acquired over the last three days and i got up on stage and i said hey I just got told 15 minutes ago that I had to come up here. So if I'm a little nervous and my handshake, will you cut me some slack? Everybody laughed. They all leaned in. They were with me. They knew I hadn't prepared anything. Yeah. And it went great, right? So one thing is sometimes when you share that humility, mm -hmm. but you do it in a positive way, it's not whiny, okay? It's not woe is me, you know? You do it with some humor. Um, people will help you out. They're going to help lift you up because they've been there. They've done that. They know they, they can imagine, oh my gosh, if they did that to me, I wouldn't be able to function. <laughs> right. And so that's one of the things that you can do as well. So those are the three things, you know, you learn by doing, take incremental steps and reveal your humility. I, I'm not, I'm just learning how to do this. I'm not an expert. Like one of the things is I'm learning how to do these videos where I can look at the camera and somehow memorize what I want to say, like Meryl Streep. It ain't never going to happen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> never, never, never. I will not even, I mean, uh, the lowest crap B minus movie. I'll never be that good. Okay. But I keep trying and I'll keep working on it and I am going to keep getting better. And I have, I have the confidence to stand on my own power that people who are watching that are going to give me some slack. And they're more interested in the information I have to share than if my eyes dart to look at my a little piece of my script so I remember what I meant to say. Hey everyone, this week I'd like to share with you a review from Matt Zinman. If there's any one thing about Kirby, it's that he does his homework about guests and develops pointed questions that, in all candor, have never been explored in my prior interviews. I've no doubt that his audience agrees with the value this provides. Thank you, Matt, for that wonderful review. Hey, everyone. Did you know that the number of True Success Podcast fans has doubled in this year alone? We must be doing something right. Let us know what keeps you coming back for more. This enables us to continue providing you the best experience possible, not only for you, but to help others understand how the True Success Podcast is helping make your life easier. No, that's great. I mean, that's awesome. I, I, I like the fact that you were talking about being, you know, um, humble, you know, and I'm thinking uh, during during that process, like being raw, real, you know, vulnerable, and just going with the moment, you know, and just allowing it to kind of take you, you know, and just, you know, just, uh, just allow the words just to come from your mouth. Um, uh, it reminds me, 
of, you know, uh, when I actually had to go to a speaking contest in Toastmasters International and I had not prepared, I didn't even know, like nobody from my club was going to go and uh, just a real quick story, but, uh, and I was like, okay, if nobody's going to go, I'm going to go. And I'm like, I'm terrified. Like I just joined this organization six months ago. I joined it because I was already terrified. I, you get sweaty palms, sweaty armpits. Like, I didn't like the way I speak in front of people. I'm very critical of myself, you know, and there's <laughs> a lot of self-doubt. And, uh, and so I was, you know, I was like, okay, fine. If nobody's going to do it, I'm going to do it. And if I fall on my face, then so be it. I'll just learn something. Right. But we're not going to go and not be represented, you know? And so we're going to have somebody up there. And so I went and I actually ended up winning the contest. Oh my um, gosh. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I was like, oh my goodness. And then I went to the next contest, which was a couple of weeks later at the next level. And they ended up winning that one. And I was like, whoa. And then I went to the third one um, and I am falling on my face. <laughs> they asked me to tell a joke. And I'm like, I'm not a funny guy. I don't know any jokes. And, and so, but I will tell you the, when I got up there, what was most amazing about that experience? And this is why I want to encourage people to do hard things like you were just talking about. And that's the moral of the story is, is I got up there and I fell on my face. I, I didn't know a joke. I didn't really think I was a funny guy. And we've been laughing, right? It may be a different type of humor, but I just couldn't pull a joke out of my pocket, right? Like they asked me to do. And I explained something else, you know, why I couldn't tell a joke, my demeanor, my personality. I'm a very driven person, you know, I'm demanding. I just talked about my personality and, you know, just why I just don't engage in like that type of humor. And I left and I sat down and I just thought I was an embarrassment. You know, I embarrassed my club. I embarrassed myself. I couldn't answer the question. I was just beating myself up, you know, and I, all that self-doubt started creeping right back. Yeah. And I started yeah. thinking like, why am I doing this? Why am I wasting my time? I just need to move on. I just need to forget about this little pipe dream that I have. And as soon as it all, we had our first break, like you wouldn't believe, like I had like 10 people that walked up to me and said, that was amazing. Like if they would have asked me that question, I would have just stood there in silence. I couldn't do that. Like that was courageous. And that after that, I was just like, okay, here we go. You know, and that was like, it built my confidence back up. So you just really don't know in that moment who you're really inspiring. And it might sound bad to you, but to other people, it, it's amazing. Yeah. It really We're is. always our, our biggest critic. Yeah. Um, or sometimes our loved ones are our biggest critics. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think the other point that you really brought out is that you have, if you stop because of fear of failure, mm -hmm. you're never going to win the game. Yeah. Okay. So you have to look fear in the face and say, you know, I don't have to be perfect. You know, I'm going to keep getting better. And so what if I fail? You know, I, are they going to ban me for life? No, <clears throat> probably maybe somebody will come over and get me under their wing and say, you know what? I can help you do a little better. Yeah. <laughs> Take pity on me. Right. Yeah. So I, I, you know, go through that worst case, best case, most likely scenario for yourself. And, you know, absolutely always look that fear right in the eye and see it for what it is and what it's really tapping into mm -hmm. in yourself so that you can really bring that up and say, you know what, not today, mm -hmm. not today. I have a choice and my choice is to grow and to move forward. Even if I fall flat in my face, because I'm going to learn by doing, you know, think about how you learn to ride a bike. How many skin knees did you get? Yeah. You know, 
I think it's perfect. I just used that not long ago. I said, how many firsts have you ever gone through, right? You have to get over the first. Like, How many times did I cream out when I was water skiing when I was trying to learn to drop a ski or jump the wake, you know? You know, like first time you crawl, first time you walk, first time you crawled the stairs, first time you got left home alone, first time you rode a bike, first time you graduated, first time you left home alone, you know? It's just, there's so many firsts that we've overcome. It's like, why are you afraid of the first? Yeah. Just why, you know, as we get older, why are we afraid of this? Yeah. This. Like just take the leap and embrace and absorb it and say, okay, well, that didn't work out so well. Um, let me make an adjustment here, you know, and, and learn and grow from your experiences. You know, this is, this has really been a great conversation. I know, <laughs> I know I, I'm having fun. Um, I've got a ton more questions. So, I mean, I don't know. Um, maybe after we're done here, you know, uh, if we want to get back on and do this again later on at another date and time and maybe create a part two, that would be great. Yeah. Um, but that'll be up to you, but, uh, and your timing and stuff like that. But, uh, uh you know, uh, I got to ask you these three questions because we always ask these three questions and I, I you know, I don't want to leave everybody hanging, but, um, how do you define true success? I mean, you, you've come all, you've come up to this point, right? You know, you've achieved already quite a bit. Um, how would you define that at this point? Well, I think that because of the journey I went through with my husband and his terminal cancer, that true success is the, the love and the precious memories you create with your family and friends. That's true success. Everything else is frosting on the cake, you know, you know, having a fancy Tesla car that you drive or once again, you know, a, a Cartier necklace. Um, you know, if you want to waste your money on something like that, that's your call, right? Some people need that, uh, to feel good. Um, but absolutely true success is, um, really embracing your own authenticity, who you are standing in your own power and embracing uh, all the precious memories of, of your friends and family, because, you know, when we died, we're not going to be sitting there thinking, oh, if only I'd finished that last project, if only I had closed that other multimillion deal. I, you know, no, <laughs> trust yeah. me, been there, done that. That's not what goes through your head. Yeah, for sure. For sure. No, I appreciate that. I, I, and I appreciate the experience and, you know, the, the, the perspective that you've put on that. I mean, based off of, you know, what you've been through. So I, I, I think that's powerful. You know, one of the things I like to talk about or like to understand is, is where are people going? Like what, what that trajectory looks like, you know, there's a destination on the map somewhere that we're all trying to achieve. And so, and, and a lot of times we, you know, in the military, we would always say, you know, yeah. 50 meter targets, 100 meter targets or, and in the corporate world, they talk about the 100 foot view, the 10,000 foot view, but, you know, and I always translate that into, where do you think you'll be at in 10 or 20 years? What are you shooting for? What, what's your aim? <laughs> I have to tell you, I, I, my undergraduate degree is in military history. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking the same language. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, I think one of the, you know, for me, where I, I would love to be is doing events, uh, on-site events, conferences, except a completely different format, mm -hmm. not talking heads where you actually do the work. So where you have a presentation and then you break up into small groups and you actually do the work so that you can move forward. And at the end of that conference, you've actually achieved all of this work 
that you can, that you actually, as you're doing it, you're, you're applying to your business. Um, and for sales, you're applying it to your sales, that you're building out the sales strategy for your organization and everything that you're good, you need. And you walk away and it's done, it's built and it's, it, you're executing it right now. So that's what I would really like to get to at a certain point and having them in exotic locations, you know, mm -hmm. uh, going, having a conference event in Iceland or in Bali or something like that. So we have a little bit of fun too. Uh, but that where we can also do uh, some network and making these relationships where you're never going to sell anything else to them, but they're going to become uh, resources for you. Somebody you can call and say, uh, you know, have you ever encountered this? Do you have an idea? And so that's really where I would like to be um, uh, and not 10 or 20 years, but five to 10, five yeah. years. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. No, I appreciate that. Thanks. You know, thanks for showing, sharing that vision and that insight of, you know, the direction that you're, you're going or you're trying to go. And I'm, I'm sure you'll be there. Uh, no doubt <laughs> we'll, see. we'll see. We'll so, see. Yeah, I know. I believe in you. So, um, you know, last question. Um, and then we'll kind of bring it home here is that, uh, you know, Mother Teresa had this quote about if you throw cast a stone in the water, you would create a ripple effect, right? And we most of us kind of already know what that what that what that means. But what is going to be your ripple effect? Like if you were to cast a stone, what would that be? And who would that impact? And how how would that affect them? Well, you know, honestly, I hope that that message of, you know, coming at work with um, worthy intent with that grace, dignity, kindness, that when people adopt just one piece of that, then that, you know, has a ripple effect of how that impacts other people. Mm -hmm. um, so when they, you know, think about that, and they um, adopt some of these tips that can that will help them in their world mm -hmm. in their life, then that's going to, in turn impact someone else when we give that kind of value. And we provide that kind of vision for them to move forward. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's like how we help the world in our small way. It's not the Peace Corps, but you know what? Um, it helps in a small way and it does have a ripple effect. I love it. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you sharing your time and being here um, and just you've added a ton of value and this has been fun. It's been fun for me. And I hope that everybody that does listen uh, has as much fun and laughs as just as much as we have and smiled. And so I, I just want to thank you for that. Um, you know, before we let you go, uh, where can we find you? Um, and if there's anything that you would like to leave us with, I mean, your opportunity. so. Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Lynn Whitbeck, and of course, on either one of the websites, uh, Future Forward Sales. I've got a terrific um, piece that's called The Pickle, Future Forward Sales slash Pickle. And it's going to tell you how to answer a question that may seem completely weird or off the wall with grace and dignity. Uh, because that's going to happen. Either your boss is going to ask you something weird, a peer uh, in a job interview, somebody who just wants to see if they can get a rise out of you. And this is going to get you out of the pickle. And uh, it can happen in work and in life and all kinds of situations. 
No, that's awesome, Lynn. And again, I, I really do appreciate it. Um, you know, for the sake of time and your yours, and uh, I'll let you go. But uh, you know, I just want to say I look forward to seeing you in Bali one day. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be great. You know, you could come on board as well. So, and I would love to come back. It's been a great conversation. I yeah. so value that, Kirby. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you very much. Have a good evening. Now it's up to you to put all this information into action. Please check out the links in the show notes, download a copy of the transcript, and support us by smashing that like button. Leave a comment or review on whichever platform you are listening to the show on. Now go out and carry this story forward. My name is Kirby Ingalls. I appreciate you listening to this episode. Honor your service to others and love the impact that you are creating. You've been listening to the True Success Podcast. I'll see you next time.